Hello and welcome once again to Inspire Me. I'm your host, Rene Dubovois, founder and CEO of Inspired Media. I don't think I've ever said to you at this time or any time before that I have all sorts of courses that are, shall we say, deep dives into business and life's lessons, all sorts of courses on various platforms. And I'm very proud that all of my courses, well, I would say top three, are now in Arabic. Hey, so I'm really liking and loving that and very proud of it. I'll give you more details on that later. Today's episode is Extractions, A Way of Life. And I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking about extractions, maybe taking a tooth out. Maybe you're thinking extractions, having something removed, isn't it? But listen, that's what an extraction is. Extrapolating means to really pull something out, to pull it away, to use a Southern vernacular term, to yank it out, to yank it apart, to pull it out. But I'm not talking about a tooth extraction. And I've had plenty of those in my time. I'm sure you have, or maybe you have too. But rather, I'm talking about a way of life, how extractions is a huge part of life. And we already have discovered or decided in these two minutes or so that extractions mean to remove something, to pull something away from something else, to separate, to detach. That's an extraction, isn't it? And when you sit and think about how a tooth is removed, when you go to any dentist office, it doesn't say on the form tooth removal, does it? It says tooth extraction. Think about what it feels like. First, they have to numb you. They numb your gums. They numb the tooth and the nerve in the tooth. Then they maybe give you gas or a volume or something to get you extremely relaxed so that you're not paying attention to all of the pulling and the tugging that they have to do just to get that tooth out of your head. And heaven help you if it happens to be a wisdom tooth extraction. Wisdom teeth, there are only four in your head and they are the most complicated to remove. But if you are someone who has long roots on your teeth, any of your teeth or all of your teeth can be very difficult to remove. I'm not talking about tooth extractions. I'm not talking about removing a a tumor from anywhere in your body. That too would be an extraction. But that's not what I'm talking about in this episode. I'm talking about extractions, a way of life that everyday life comes with an extraction, various extractions, in fact. What do you think extractions are? How do we live with extractions? 
Extractions can be any number of things. I use the example about a tooth because I know that what first comes to mind when you think about an extraction is a tooth. And as you're listening now, you may even have a toothache. (laughs) And if you do, I feel bad for you because I know how that feels. But as painful as a rotten, decayed tooth can feel, and as bad as it gets and can get, you want to have that thing just, just get the pliers and yank it out, pull it out. There are extractions in life that are just as painful as an extraction of a tooth. Even though they numb your gums and they deaden everything, while you don't feel the pain per se, at least until after the procedure is over, what you do feel is the pressure and the removal from the pressure of that tooth. But in that precise moment, you don't feel the pain. You just feel that pressure. And in your mind, you want to freak out, but you can't because they've numbed your mind too. <laughs> they've, they've given you gas. And oh, I remember one time when I had gas, uh, laughing gas, it was years ago, and they were going to remove a really bad tooth. I can remember even to this day, as long ago as it was, laughing uncontrollably and saying the most heinous things you can imagine. And I remember the doctor going off to wash his hands and looking back at me because of something I said. Now, even if I can remember at this date, this moment, what I said, I probably wouldn't repeat it because it must have been God awful for him to look at me the way he did. And instead of taking out one tooth, he took out two, if I remember correctly. And then he said that they were interconnected, overlapping basically. I think he took out the other one out of meanness (laughs) to get back at me. I don't know what I said. I just said something stupid. But you know, laughing gas does that to you. And that was so long ago. Look, I, I don't think I was older than 15 years old, 16 maybe. Okay, fair enough, 17. I was still young and, you know, vulnerable, gullible, naive, all those things. So give me a break. But actually, it was it, it was an amazing moment in my life. I was very excited and at the same time, very afraid to have that tooth extracted. But what excited me was knowing that immediately upon the removal of that tooth, I was no longer going to suffer. I wasn't going to have to worry about the pain anymore. I wasn't going to have to keep taking aspirins and BCs and Tylenol and all these things to make that pain go away. I no longer would have to inject my tooth with these numbing gels that taste awful. I was so excited because I knew all the remedies that I had used for months that eventually just didn't work at all and made me even more sick than I was from this rotten tooth. I I just began to think about the pleasures I would have to be able to eat ice cream again 
and not have to eat it on one side of my mouth because I was trying to keep the nerve from going full blast. You think about things like that and extractions being a way of life. I don't care. When you're born, you don't have teeth, but after some months, teeth began to come in. And even at that stage in life, they hurt, isn't it? And and the mother knows when teeth are coming in because of how the child cries, because of how the child reacts to eating, eating certain things, isn't it? And, you know, the child pushing things away from the mouth because it's painful when, when it's coming in. When teeth are coming in, it's painful. Okay, now, I don't remember that far back, but I know it's painful just as it's painful when it's coming out, when it has to come out. That's a way of life, isn't it? It's a way of life. It's it's a part of life. And it's a part of life you're never ever going to be able to move away from. You will live and die one day. And every day that you live, you're going to have teeth in your mouth, some of which are going to become rotten and decayed and will require some sort of surgical procedure. And sometimes that tooth is so decayed and it's causing such poison and problems in your body, your dentist will tell you it has to be extracted. Now that's very powerful to begin with for this episode, to talk about a tooth extraction. And I did that because I wanted to set you up for where I'm going with this particular podcast. I bet you thought that's what I was going to talk about by way of extractions, being a way of life, but it isn't. There are some extractions in life that are much more powerful than a tooth extraction. Shall I tell you why? Well, because the extractions I'm about to tell you about, it's just as I described. You cannot get away from the pain of these extractions. You cannot change experiencing these extractions. You don't have enough money in the world to stop these various extractions I'm about to discuss. There's nothing you can do about it. These extractions I'm going to tell you about will make you cry. Some of them will make you happy at a stage. Some of these extractions I'll share will bring you great sorrow and great sadness. Some of these extractions will even cause you to change your position in life. These extractions that I'm about to share with you are that powerful and that meaningful in life. So let let me, let me just tell you what they are. It's not a lot of them, 
I'm back to my numbers. I've got three I want to share with you. The first, first extraction that is totally a way of life is love. Oh, la, 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 la. Love, honey, love. Doesn't love make you cry? Yes. Doesn't love make you happy? Yes. Doesn't love make you sad? Yes. Love makes you happy when you're in love and someone loves you. Love is experienced by us all. Not everybody experiences being in love, but everybody has the experience of love. When you're born, your mother and your father love you. Your grandparents love you. Your relatives love you. You grow up and you develop close friendships. And those friends also love you. You grow up and you meet or see a boy or a girl that you just, oh, you fall madly in love with at first sight. These are all experiences tied into love. And love is, in fact, a way of life. Not everybody marries that are in love. There's a show here in the U.S. called Married at First Sight. And these people don't know the person's name. They don't know what they look like. They're totally trusting and relying upon therapists, a pastor, and a sociologist to pair them with someone that would be a perfect husband or wife for them and their personality and their character. So when they get married, they marry at first sight. First time they've ever seen him or her. They've never heard the voice, nothing. They say, I do. They kiss in front of friends and family. And then they walk off into the sunset as a husband and a wife. For three months, they have to live together as a husband and a wife. And at the end of three months, they meet with these three experts again to talk about what those three months were like and whether they want to stay married or whether they want to move on. Love is experienced by us all, but we don't all fall in love. Oh, now that becomes a whole different thing. And yet it's a way of life. The second one is death. Now, doesn't death unequivocally bring sorrow? Of course it does. Why? Because of the first one. Because the person who died is someone that we loved. It may even be someone that we were in love with, whether we were married to them or not. Death brings great sorrow. We're never ready for it. We never want it. And yet, as I've said before, there's an appointed time to be born and an appointed time to die. Nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to live. 
And yet death brings great, great sorrow. But did you know that there's another way to look at death? Did you know that death can also bring great joy? Hmm, now that's different, isn't it? How can death bring great joy? Have you ever had a relative or a friend who had a relative who suffered for years with some sort of disease and that person suffering just wanted to die and get it over with? Sort of like I described in the beginning about the joy I experienced going to the dentist that day because I knew once he pulled it out of my head, I would have relief, no more pain, no more anguish, no more sorrow. I would be free. Well, people who are suffering with terminal diseases and illnesses, that's exactly how they feel. And they want to die because dying through death, they're liberated and they're free from all that pain. So while death brings joy because it frees us and the people we love from enormous pain, unimaginable pain, it also brings sorrow. The third one is time. Time is a way of life. You have early morning, mid-morning, midday, mid-early afternoon, mid-afternoon, late afternoon, night, uh, midnight, and then, well, early night, and then midnight. And time is wrapped all into that. There are 24 hours in a day. That is the time allocated for every day of the week. There are seven days in a week. And all seven days allocate for you and I 24 hours of time. Within a 24-hour span of time, There can be joy, there can be devastation, there are opportunities, there are deaths, there are births, there are errors, there are misunderstandings, there are marriages, there are rapes, there are murders, there are fires, there are earthquakes, there's all these things that can occur in a 24-hour time period on any given day of the week. Question is, what are you doing with your time? I also said in another podcast that like a computer and a phone, you can reboot. It will freeze on you from time to time. There's all kinds of things going on. So the computer just basically just shuts down like little kids do when they can't have their way. (laughs) You know what I mean here? And you're hitting escape, alt, delete, 
Escape, Alt, Delete to try to unfreeze your computer. And when that doesn't work, you have to restart or just flat out reboot. Restarting means you just turn it off and let it start over again. Rebooting means you just shut the whole bloody thing down and you wait a few minutes and then you reboot it back up. Both instances bring your computer back to its normal state. It unfreezes it. It takes it out of that lock freeze position. But time, you can't reboot time. You cannot rewind time. If there's a song playing on your podcast, on your iPod, on your audio cassette player or whatever. I don't even think they make those anymore. But think about what I'm saying to you. You hear a song that you really like. On the computer or phone, there's a button that reverts back to the left, which means you can rewind it to play it again and again and again. But you cannot do that with time. Time only goes forward. Time doesn't go to the left. It doesn't go to the right. It has one way forward. And time, like love and like death, will bring you great sorrow and great joy. There are so many, many different ways to look at time. I like to tell people, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And obviously, things that come to challenge us are there to change us and help us to better utilize our time. I don't think people look at time maybe exactly the way I do, because I see time as a tool to be better, to make my life better and the life of others that are in my life to make it better. And everybody doesn't feel like that. Everybody doesn't believe that they don't have the time to do what they want to do in life. There are a lot of millennials living, breathing, some of them acting like bloody fools all the time, every day, because they think they have all the time in the world to live. My dad used to say, the old must die. The young may die. So just because somebody is old, yeah, they're going to die. You can go as far as saying they have If they're really old, one foot in the grave and one foot out. But if you are a millennial, heck, if you are a teen, you need to stop running around here thinking that because you're young, that you've got all the time in the world to live. There are people who will not come to God or have a Jesus moment, if you will, 
because they think they have time. So they go and live like a wild boar for years because they think they have time to get their life right and go and get right with God. And and they just live any kind of way because they think they have time to change. You get in a car and you close it. You close the door, I should say. But just because you're the one that opened the door and closed it to back out of the driveway or to drive off on the road, doesn't mean you're going to be the one to open the door to get out. That could be the responsibility of a firefighter because you're locked, trapped in, and dead. We take so many things for granted. I meet and talk to people all the time. And one of the things that I have discovered about people living in more than 40 countries around the world is that if you're living your life like that, what I would call reckless and irresponsible in every sense of the word, you're just going to party, do drugs, drink a lot. And then after 20 years of doing that, you're going to change your life, turn your life around and start going to mosque or to church on Sundays and Al-Juma on Fridays. And you're going to be better in your old age. First of all, honey, who told you you were going to live to be old? This is my point. Love, death and time are the extractions of life, the main extractions of life. And it is a way of life. Love is a way of life. Death is a way of life. Time is a way of life. If you're living reckless, I would say to you that confidence is silent and your arrogance and insecurities are loud. Look, the internet, you can be foolish if you want to and put a lot of crazy things out there. But do you understand that the internet is going to be here when you're gone? You can't take it back. So be wise about what you put out there on social media. Use your time wisely and live your best life now. Don't be stupid. Don't even be stuck on stupid. Think. Make a decision to love and be love, to embrace life so that when death comes, you can live with yourself knowing the good you placed in the life of that person who is passed on. Oh, that's good. And finally, with the time that you have left will be good because you're adding value to yourself as well as adding values to others. In the last few minutes that I have with my podcast, let me share this with you. Give, but don't allow yourself to be used. How about this one? Um, Love, but don't allow your heart to be abused. Trust. But don't be naive. And finally, listen. But don't use 
or lose your own voice. You've got to listen to other people. Seek first to understand and after to be understood. Live your life out loud, but that's not suggesting to live reckless. When I say live your life out loud, I'm talking about living, breathing, loving human being in humanity, towards humanity, extending your heart, your love, your friendship, your resources, your spirit, your heart, your mind, your gifts. Now, those things are truly living your best life now. There would be an uprising in hell if everybody chose actively to live like that. I'm Rene Dubovoy. You've been listening to Inspire Me, and I hope I did indeed inspire you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing this podcast. Thank you for donating to this podcast to help me with my Fish Foundation Global Nation. Merci beaucoup. Bonne journée. Au revoir, mon ami. Au revoir.